Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. You look so good. Rhonda and I have been on spring break. This year, you know what? It's spring break. We left the kids at home, and we went by ourselves. <laughs> that was awesome. We actually did that. Uh, but my kids are uh, 20 and 24, so you can do that. But uh, matter of fact, we met a lot of people yesterday on I-75 coming home. Uh, we sat in the parking lot many times on 75. It was awesome. But anyways, we're glad to be back today and hope that you enjoyed your spring break as well. And we'll pray for those that are still sitting on I-75 right now. I want to ask you a question. We're continuing a series today called Words of Hope. And uh, I want to ask, we're going to actually talk about the word of love today, but I'm going to show you some symbols in just a moment. And I want you to tell me, uh, what's the first thing that comes through your mind when you see this symbol, all right? So look at this symbol. What do, what do you think of? Nike. So, okay, so we know the company name, but what do you think about when you see that symbol? What? Tennis shoe, that's right, right, a sports shoe, a tennis shoe. Okay, now this next uh, picture's coming up. What do you see here? What do you think of? McDonald's, so what, 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 what do you think of about McDonald's? Food, right? Okay, Happy Meal, if you have children, or Rhonda, when my wife Rhonda saw that, she said French fries. She loves her fries. And so here's the next symbol. What, do you, what is this symbol? Starbucks, what do you think about? Coffee, that's exactly right. Now, the next one is uh, my favorite, so let's look at this symbol. Cute, what is that? The QT, quick trip, that's right. What did you think about when you see the quick trip? And roller food, that's right, sorry, it's roller food, yes. I think of those 32-ounce fountain drinks. I am, like, addicted to those. Matter of fact, we were on our way home yesterday, and uh, I told Rhonda, I said, you know what, I would love to find a QT. So I had her actually Googling where the nearest QT is. And you know what we found is that QT does not make it south of Macon, Georgia. What a shame, right? Man, these people in Florida don't know what they're missing. So anyway... So there's symbols that. Now, today, when you look at this figure right here, what do you think about? Shout it out. What do you think about? God? Jesus? Anything else? Loves? Okay, somebody read the notes already. <laughs> that was actually good. You did great, Marty. So you think about all those things. You think about God and Jesus and the crucifixion, but Marty actually got it right is that God wants us to think about love when we see this cross. He wants us to think about that. So when you see the cross, it's not just that you, take a pic, you think of Jesus, you know, dying on the cross. You actually see love. It's the demonstration of love. That's what God wants you to see. So every time that you see a cross hanging around someone's neck, or you see it on the top of a church building, or you, wherever you see a cross, God wants that to be a symbol to you. Just like when you saw Nike, you thought about tennis shoes. Is God wants you to see this cross. He wants you to think about love. He wants you to think about how much He loves you and He loved the world. He loves other people. And so today we're talking about these words of hope that actually come 
from the cross. When Jesus was actually hanging on the cross, he gave us these words of hope. So I'd like to share uh, with you today that. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, we're going to pick up the story. Again, Jesus from the cross, it says this. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, notice that, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus, the Ma- Mary Magdalene, there's a lot of Marys there in Jesus' day, wasn't there? Not there. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, now let me just tell you who that disciple is, it was John, the guy that actually is writing this, but John was so humbled that he didn't even want to write his own name here. And so he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, tradition has it that John, the disciple of Jesus, actually took the responsibility of Jesus' mother of taking care for her for another 12 years until she died. You see, Joseph was dead. Joseph, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, not his biological father, but the father, his stepfather that helped raise him had died. He was out of the picture. And so Jesus was the oldest son, and so he had the responsibility of taking care of of his mother. And so he passed that on. So what I want to tell you today, we want to talk about this cross, we want to talk about love, and I want to tell you to love like Jesus, there's four things that we must do because we're all called to love like Jesus as followers of Christ. Here we go. The first one is this, you ready? I must care for my own family. Would you write that down? Now, if I ask you today, do you love your family, and you would say yes. If I ask you today, do you love your children or your spouse, you'd say, depending on what day. Am I right about that? I mean, come on, listen. There's times, you know what, that uh, there's times that you feel like with your kids, you just want to squeeze them and love them to death. There's other times you'd like to maybe just give them away, you know? It's a spouse as well. I mean, it's the way it goes. That's the toll. And maybe right now in your marriage, maybe you're on a high. Right now, they're the greatest thing. Maybe they're sitting beside you. You just squeeze them a little tighter today. Well, don't worry. Next week will come around. Right? I mean, that's sort of the way it goes. And I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, you want to squeeze them to death. You know, you're glad they're there. And the other way, you want to just put them away. You know, like, oh. But, but that's sort of the, uh, the way life goes. But let me tell you what love is. Love is not a word. Love is action. Love is not just something you say, it's something that you do. It's a choice that you make, right? And real love is what we want to talk about today. Real love is, is doing for other people, not just saying things. It's actually doing, it's action. In the, in the middle of Jesus' pain, he did three things for his mother today that we want to learn that we can do today to help our relationship, to show love the way Jesus did. And God expects us to do to practice this love that Jesus practiced. So the first thing I want you to write down is this. Number one is this. I must care for my... uh, Did I give you that one already? Okay, letter A. By paying attention. That's what, by paying attention. Now notice this. Jesus is speaking to his mother Mary from the cross. Again, you have to get the picture here. He's, He's hanging from the cross. He's bleeding. Matter of fact, He's been bleeding for some time. His blood, the blood level in his body is very low because he's been beaten, you know, half to death with, those, with the stripes on his back already. His beard's been plucked. His, uh, the crown of thorns on his head, uh, nails in his hands and his feet. So he's bled profusely. So he's very, very tired and weak this time from, from bleeding so much. And notice what he does. From the cross, in that situation, 
He pays attention like a, he's like laser focused on his mother. Out of all the crowd is screaming at him, you know, saying, crucify him, crucify him. If you're the Messiah, come down off the cross. If you're who you say you really are, get down from there. But Jesus, at that moment, he, he just puts everybody out of mind and he focuses in on his mother like a laser. Right in on her. He pays attention to her. And so that's the first thing that we learn here. And let me just say this. Attention is more important than money. Did you hear that? Attention is more important. It's the most important thing that you can give your family and the people that you care about is your attention. Matter of fact, another word for attention is respect. I think that when you give someone attention, you're showing them respect. Don't you? Isn't it disrespectful when you're trying to talk for somebody, they just ignore you? Anybody ever had someone do you like that? I mean, you, you know, you're trying to say something and, and they're just doing stuff, you know, and they're not listening to you. There's been times, you know what, where uh, my kids, when they were small, they had to grab my face and say, Daddy. Oh, oh, yes, okay, what is it, you know? And so it's disrespectful to do that. And another thing I want to say this, to you about this is that in Jesus' day, women were not uh, looked on as, as equals with men at all. Matter of fact, sometimes they would even consider things. I mean, it was, it was bad in the status of women. But what happened, the reason that Mary and all the other Marys were able to get up close to the cross was because that nobody paid attention to the women. They just worked their way up. But this is what I want, to know, I want you to know, is that Jesus always raised the status of women. Always raised them up. Jesus always raised the status of women. From the cross right there, he made sure to recognize his mother in front of everybody in a culture where women were not recognized. He didn't call out anybody. He called out to her. And so just want you to be clear about that. Look what the Bible says in, in Exodus 20 and 12. It says, honor your father and who? Your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Now, again, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Okay, this is one of the big ten. And this is not optional, by the way. And you say, well, you know what? I'm not so proud of what my parents did. Well, let me tell you something. Something your parents did do right, okay? They did this one thing right is that they come together and God used their DNA to form you. And you're here today because of what they did. That was the one, maybe they did nothing else right, that was right because you're here. And God wanted you to be here, by the way. And so God wanted you to be here. Now, so he says, honor your father. Now, one other thing I want to say about that before I move on. Notice there's no statutes of limitation. In other words, God didn't just say honor your father and mother when, they're, you know, when you're a kid, right? God says, honor your father and mother all the days of their life. And so that doesn't mean that when you get out of high school, you're done. You know what? I can be disrespectful to my parents. One thing that I cannot stand is to see a child, or not a child, an adult child, let's put it that way. Someone that's my age talk disrespectfully and curse their parents. You ever seen that? I want to tell you, if you want to know something that gets under my skin that God really has to help me with, because I just want to pick something up and knock the daylights out of them. Oh, I'm sorry, pastors aren't supposed to think like that, are they? Well, we do. If I ever see you cursing your mom or dad, then you know what's going through my mind. And I might even tell you about it. Why? Because that's so disrespectful. I don't care. You don't curse your mom and dad. Be respectful, no matter what. You say, well, you don't know what they've done to me. No, I don't. But I'm just saying, be, be kind to them. Because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to. Okay, letter B, would you write this down? 
So I must care for my own family by being patient. Letter B is by meeting their practical needs. Meeting their practical needs. The last thing that Jesus did before he died on the cross was he provided for his mother. His mother. Now, again, going back to the cross, the last thing he did is he looked down for her and he said, okay, I'm in pain, right? I mean, if you're hanging from the cross here and you've got nails in your hand and your feet, the last thing it seems like that I would be thinking about was somebody else, but Jesus showed us what love is and he provided for her practical needs. He looked down from the cross and says, John, I want you to take care of her. Take care of her. You see, the thing that I want you to understand here is that Mary needed Jesus at that time. Notice that Jesus didn't pray to Mary. Notice that. He didn't do that. You know that Jesus didn't do that. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't pray uh, to Mary. He provided for Mary. Mary was was a godly woman, but she wasn't divine. She needed Jesus, and Jesus provided for her. And that's what we say. Love begins at home. Would you agree with that? It begins at home. So listen, maybe, you know, it's a horrible thing when everybody else thinks you're a great person, your family thinks you're a jerk. Isn't that amazing? When everybody else thinks you're so wonderful and you get home and they all think you're a jerk. Work on that. Work on that. Be the greatest person you can be home. Now listen, the closer you get to people, the more you see their flaws. So again, I mean, that's a little bit unfair in some ways because we live with each other, we get aggravated with each other. That doesn't mean that you don't get aggravated with each other. You do. If, listen, if you work with somebody or live with somebody, you're going to see their flaws and you're going to get frustrated with them, right? Everybody's wonderful from a distance, right? I mean, like, man, you know, there's somebody who told Rhonda one time, said, you know what, oh, you got the greatest husband. She said, you ought to live with him. <laughs> some of our staff would tell you, maybe you ought to work with him, you know? And that's the way everybody's wonderful from a distance, but get up close to them, and then you start seeing their flaws. And so that's what makes loving great. doesn't mean that you don't have uh, tensions at home. You do have those things, but you work through those because that's what love does. Okay, look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 and 8. He says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than a what? An unbeliever, the Bible says we should take care of those people. Number one, people who took care of us and people who can't take care of us. Like our parents are people that took care of us and then our children are people who can't take care of us and we're to provide for those. We're to do our very best to show care for them. Letter C, did you write this down? Another way that we care for our own family is by giving emotional support. By giving emotional support. Can you imagine the burden that Mary carried? I mean, from the time that she conceived Jesus, it was not a hallelujah moment. I know we glamorize the Christmas story, and it is a beautiful story, but for Mary, it was not beautiful at all. I mean, just think about it. The moment that she said, hey, I'm going to have a baby, her Joseph, the guy that she was uh, pledged to be married to, all of a sudden said, hey, I don't want you anymore. Then all of a sudden she had to go tell her parents, you know, I'm pregnant, but it's not Joseph's. And they're like, they want to get rid of her. They want to stone her. And so she had this ridicule she had to live with all of her life about or all of this pregnancy about Jesus. And as he was growing up, they would say, hey, that's not Joseph's baby, but we don't know who. She said, it's God's. Everywhere she went. And then Jesus grew up, and Jesus started his earthly ministry. And when Jesus come back home to his hometown, the people didn't believe in him. They picked up stones and wanted to stone him. And one portion of the scripture says they wanted to throw him off a cliff. 
And Mary was there, and she had to live with this stress all the time. Their son was going to be murdered, and now he's on the cross. And from the cross, Jesus notices her emotional stress, and he takes and notices her, and he gives attention to her. And he provides emotional support for her. The Bible says this in Proverbs 17 and 17, in the message paraphrase. By the way, this is a great verse to put in memory. It says this, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of what? Families stick together in all kinds of what? Trouble. Listen, I don't know. Where are you when your kids are being crucified? Listen, your kids may do things that you don't agree with and they are going to do that, by the way. I don't care how old they are. They're going to do things, but listen, when that happens, that doesn't mean that you abandon them. That doesn't mean that you write them off, you X them off and say, I never want to communicate with you again. Mary was there as she was watching Jesus be crucified. She couldn't do anything about it, but she was there. And sometimes that's all you can do as a parent is just be there. Listen, I want to let my kids know that. That I'm always going to be here to do whatever I can that means that I can't fix everything for you and some things you've got to figure out on your own. And that takes us to the other side of this coin, right? The other side of this is some of you need to stop fighting all your kids' battles. Sometimes we have to let them grow up, right? And let me tell you something. That's very, very hard to do. Some of you have real, your kids are younger now, you know, and and every problem that they have is somebody else's problem. We thought that too. <laughs> Our kids, you know, they were, they were in the, uh, you know, come up to about, you know, elementary. Every time that they had a problem at school, well, it had to be the teacher's fault. It couldn't be our kid's fault, right? So here goes dad marching to the school. Sit down and meet with the teacher. Well, let me just tell you something. If you have to repeat that process over, it's not the teacher's fault. Hello? There might, there might be one occasion where you got to do a little, but if it's every grade you got to go do that, your little Johnny's got a problem. Hello? You can't fight every, you kids, you cannot fight every battle for your kids. They will never grow up. Listen, let them have failures in their lives now while they're under your care because when they get out in the world and they fail, they're going to crash. Let them do it now. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's harder to do than you think. And so we see the proverb says that. You see, what do parent, good parents do and, and family members do? We show up. We stand up and we hold up each other. That's what we do. Look at Ephesians 5 and 25. He, he goes now to husbands. Oh, guys, we better buckle up here. Look what he says. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for who? For, for her, right? So Jesus died on the cross for us, the church. And when God looks at marriage, He looks at a man and woman in marriage. He says, that is the example of how much I love the church. That's how you're to love each other. Now listen, I'm going to tell you, I fall short of this. I wish I could tell you that I love Rhonda as much as Christ loved the church, but you know, I'm just short of that. That just is not the truth. I'm, I'm striving to get better. You know, some men in here say, you know what? You know, guys, let me just tell you, your wife is not so much wondering, you know, will you die for me? Sometimes she's just wondering, will you take out the trash for me? <laughs> okay, some, leave the elbows alone, all right? Just keep them right down now. Do not move. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, will you die for me? Just, no, sometimes you just take out the trash. 
And you see, love is sacrificial. In other words, it means you give up something to serve them. Ladies, now I know in our culture today, you know, it's not, you don't like to hear that God created the man to be the head of the home. And, and many of you go, oh, no, no, no. And we start, our culture pushes back on that. But let me tell you something. What God had in mind was this, is that when your husband loves you like Christ loved the church and he sacrifices for you, you'll be glad to let him be the head of the home. Amen, ladies? Amen. And that's what God wants us to be. Do you know that Jesus sacrificed his life? He gave up heaven. He gave up having it made to come down here to serve us. Men, what we want to do is we have to give up having it made having it our way to serve them. I don't know what that looks like in your home, but when our kids were growing up, especially, you know, when it was cell phone upgrade time, it was hallelujah parties around my house. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? I don't know, but when it's time to upgrade your phone, like every, back then, it was every two years, you have a contract up and you get a new phone. And you know, there was almost so much money to go around, right? And so when it's time to upgrade, I remember there's been many times where, you know, as a dad, you know, you just let them do it. There was times when my son was a little boy. Rhonda, I didn't have a lot of money. And uh, I remember going by, you know, he was hungry. And we went by McDonald's. You know, back, and the, back then the cars had the ashtrays in them. And, you know, that's where I kept all my change at. And I went through and scraped up enough change to go in and buy him a Happy Meal. I didn't have enough to buy me a meal. I was hungry too. To go and sit down and watch him eat that food. And, you know, just watching him eat. Because that's what dads do, isn't it? You see, we sacrifice for our family. We want them to have it. And that's what God's called us to do. Is to meet their emotional needs and give them support. And by the way, just let me say this, just for the sake of saying it. You didn't marry to be happy. God wants you to marry to be holy. Now, what does that mean? That means the more that you love God, the more you're going to love your spouse. The closer I get to God, the closer I get to Rhonda. And you see what that means is this, is that, you know what, if I live just for happiness, then we're going to have problems all the time. But when I live for holiness, in other words, marriage is to make me more like Jesus. And Jesus sacrificed. You see that? You're talking about hey, marriage teaches me to do that. As a father, as a husband, that means I have give up so that they can have to serve them. That's what God's called me to do, and he's called you to do as well. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? Especially when some of you feel like, you know what, well, they ain't done nothing for me. Well, he didn't call us to, to keep score. He called us just to be who we're to be. So I have a next step on your outline. Would you write this down or check this box on your, on your uh, connection card? I'm sorry. It says this. It says, I will do something this week for somebody in my family. Why don't you, why don't you check that box so we can pray for you this week? And why don't you choose to do something Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's for your children. Maybe it's for a parent. Why don't you do something for them this week? Just go out of your way to do something to serve them. And watch what happens in your home. Watch what happens. Maybe today, even as on the way home, maybe you walk out there and you open up a door for your wife or for your children. Ladies, if your husband does that, if you say, you've only done that because Pastor Jeff said to do it, if you say that, you are not smart. I just want to tell you right now, you're not smart. I've just asked your husband to do something to serve you. He's doing that because, he's not doing it because I asked him, he's doing it because he wants to serve you and show that he can. And if you say, well, you're just doing it because he said it, you're not smart. Guess what? You're not going to get it again. 
Praise what you like, right? Oh, nobody opens that door like you. That is so, I felt so sexy when you did that. And you look so sexy. You, my man. Dear God, he opened every door for you. Okay. All right. Number two, I must treat other believers as my family. The Bible is very clear about, the scripture says, we're to treat each other as family in the church. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5 and 1 and 2. He says, do not rebuke an older man, how? Harshly, but exhort him as who? Your father. You see that? Treat the younger men as, uh, treat the younger men as brothers, older women as who? As mothers, and the younger women as sisters. And you got your pen ready? I want you to circle these words. With what? Absolute would you circle absolute purity? You see, when we treat each other like family relationships, there's nothing inappropriate. Hello? When I treat, when I treat older men that are with respect of I would give my father, and ladies that are older than me, I give them respect I give my mother, and then people that are younger than me, I give them respect I should give my brother or my sister, then there's nothing inappropriate, and that's how we should work in the church is that we treat each other as brothers and sisters or mothers and fathers. You see, you should be serving those that are older than you and mentoring those that are younger than you. Do you hear that? As Christians, as Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, you follow Jesus Christ, you should say, who can I serve that's older than me and who can I mentor that is younger than me? And that's why, that's why as a church that we're expanding our facilities. We've been doing this I Will initiative. And the reason that we're building on our children's area and the reason we're expanding our student area is because we believe that you should not leave this next generation behind. Amen? Would you agree that the world is not a good place for a kid to be raised? I mean, their morals and values. Would you agree that when you turn on the television, that doesn't represent God's values? Would you agree with that? That everything that they're seeing on the internet, everything they're seeing on television, everything that they're seeing is not God's values? That's why the church is so important. That's why you're so important. It's because your values and your morals have to be passed on. And we cannot give up on this next generation. Amen. You can't give up. They're not allowed to teach morals at school. They're not allowed to teach values at school. And they're not getting it. It's not because we have bad teachers. No. It's just because the culture in which we live. And we're the light. And I'm saying that we have to reach back. Listen, we had over 200 children here on Easter Sunday. And many of you sitting in this room, you taught them. You mentored them. You were there. You were face telling them about Jesus Christ. And when they get in school, they're going to remember your voice. They're going to remember what you said. And when they're tempted with drugs, when they're tempted with alcohol, when they're tempted about their sexuality, they're going to know that you, what you said about God is true. And it's going to be an anchor for their life. What you say matters. We're to reach back to those that, were, that are younger and mentor them. And we're to serve those that are ahead of us, that are older than us. I can't say that enough. Mentor. You're always mentoring, by the way. When you're around people that are younger than you, you're always mentoring. They're always watching. Make sure you take note of that. Listen, I need, I, I thank God for the mentors in my life. It's been those people that have helped me stay the course. Because there's times that you're going to have, you know, you're going to have difficulties in your marriage. Do you know that? I mean, you know, you know the honeymoon actually ends sometimes. Do you know that? 
And there's going to be times you're going to be like, man, I don't want any more of this. I'm tired of this. I didn't know she would like this. You know, I told her a million times, don't squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. You roll that up. What did she do? Squeeze it in the middle. I'm tired of this woman. I'm tired of this man. You're going to need somebody to go to to talk to. And you see, the problem is if you go to the world, your, your friends of the world, and talk to them about these issues, they've already been married 15 times already. They've been sleeping around every weekend. And so what do you think they're going to tell you to do? Get rid of the sucker. That's what they're, they're going to give you the advice that they go by. But guess what? They're the ones that's so lonely. They're the ones that can't find anybody. They're the ones that's got all the issues. And you're going to listen to a problem like that? No! You find you some godly people, get around them and say, listen, somebody that's been married for 20, 30, 40 years, you get around them and say, how did you do it? How did you put up with him this long? That's what people ask Rhonda all the time. How did you do it? She said, well, it ain't easy. But with God, all things are possible. I'm not kidding. You get around some people. You need to know, how did you do this? And you realize that there's an 80-20, right? In every relationship, there's 80-20. 80% you love this person. Oh, you're so glad. But there's 20% that just annoys you. And I can tell you, I've been married for almost 29 years, and there's still that 20% there. Anybody tracking with me? I'm telling you, they've only been married for a short time. It doesn't go away. So what do you do? You focus on the 80. And you have conversations occasionally about the 20. You try not to focus on it a lot. But you try to stay focused on the 80. And let the 20 try to work itself out. Amen? Well, this is not one on marriage, but you just got that, okay? So here's the deal. Jesus is looking down at the cross, and John's down there. Now, here's the deal. Jesus had four half-brothers. That means that Mary and Joseph had four boys, and they had two girls that we know of. He may have had more. And why didn't Jesus say, okay, well, hey, you should do this. The reason that Jesus didn't point to his half-brothers is because they didn't believe in him. You know, they didn't believe when he was going around doing these miracles, they didn't believe it until after Jesus died on the cross, displayed love, after he died on the cross and he got up on the third day, he resurrected, and he was walking around for over 50 days and he talked with them, then they believed. After that, they became followers of Jesus. One of those is James, and he wrote the book of James in the Bible. But before then, they weren't believers, so Jesus was not going to leave his mom to a non-believer. And he said, John, you take care of mama. Take care of Mary. Galatians says this, Galatians 6 and 10. Therefore, we have opportunity. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do what? Good to who? All people. You got your pen ready? You ready? Circle this next word. You ready? Let's read it out loud. Especially to those who belong to the family of who? Believers, that's why we have connect groups around here. Because you're going to need somebody that needs some wisdom. And listen again, you want people that are trying to live the life that you want to live, you want to get around them. That's why we have connect groups. I challenge you, our summer semester will be coming up in a few weeks. I want you to sign up and be a part. Why? Because don't put your faith on hold through summer. That's, you know summertime is the most time that people screw up. Do you know that? I think it's through the summer that most people make some of the biggest mistakes of their life. Because why? They put their faith on hold through the summer. Say, ah, oh, we don't need to do that. And then guess what happens? Things happen. So don't put your faith on hold through the summer. That's all I'll say about that. Number three, would you write this down? 
Learn to see others' pain even when I'm in pain. Now, I don't know about you, but get the picture here. Jesus is from the cross. Would you say if you're hanging from the cross, your back's been bleeding till your flesh has been ripped off your back, there's a crown of thorns on your head, your your hands are nailed to the cross, your feet are nailed, would you think Jesus was in pain? I mean, he's been bleeding so much that the blood was low, he could hardly breathe. His blood had just about all gone out of his body. And so from the point of pain, he still takes care of his mother. You see, that even while he's hurting, he could have said, Mama, I hope you make it, but I'm hurt. I'm being crucified. Hello, look at me. Now listen, when I get sick, I'm a baby. i just tell you right now. When I get sick, when Rhonda and I first got married, I, I never will forget the first time I got a stomach bug, and I was, I was you know, over the throne, <laughs> throwing up. And she come in there, you know, and her family, you know, when you threw up in your family, they brought a little washcloth, put it on your head. They just put it right there, pat it on you on the head. She's coming there, and I'm sick, you know, and she's putting that on my head. I'm like, what in the world is this woman doing? She put that on my head, but I started singing, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm dying. <laughs> what I'm doing? And so when I, I'm self, when I get sick, I'm selfish. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want her to leave, you know? She's like, i got to go. No, you don't. Just stay right here with me. Why? So you can watch me breathe. I don't know. I'm that kind of baby. I know I, know I shouldn't be that way, but I am. And uh, many men in this room probably are, won't admit it right now, but that's the way we are. So from my pain, I get selfish. I don't get, you know, it's like when I'm sick, I don't want to say, How, what can I do for you, honey? No, I'm like, hey, bring me something. Get the Sprite in here. Give me some crackers. Do something. Make me feel better. I don't know. And so, listen, from Jesus' pain, he learned to serve other people. And I say that because emotionally, not just physically, some of you are in pain today. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are going through depression. Some of you are, are suffering from relational struggles. And today what I'm saying is quit moping in your sickness or your weakness or your struggle and get up, quit moping and laying in that and get up and help somebody else and you'll start feeling better. Use your, use your pain to help somebody else and you will heal. The moment that you quit, quit rolling around and how bad you got it and how bad it is and you start taking what you've been through and helping somebody else, then we'll help you heal. That is the only way to heal. Okay, so look what the Bible says. Philippians 2 and 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of who? Christ Jesus. Okay, number four. Would you write this down? I must meet others' needs even if mine aren't met. Oh, that's so hard. That's the opposite view of the world, isn't it? You see, there's kingdom values. In order to get this and never forget it, I have this little plaque that sits on my desk every day. You see, the world's view says this. The world says the more successful you are, the less you should serve, right? I mean, like, if we've seen the presidential motorcade going down the street and a guy's car broke down, he has a flat tire, do you expect the motorcade to stop and, and the president to get out and go help that guy change his tire? Absolutely not. We say the more important you are, the less you should serve in our culture, but the kingdom culture is different. Jesus said the more important you are, the more you should serve. And that's why I have this plaque here, because it's Jesus bowing down, 
washing the disciples' feet, which he reminds us, the higher you go up, the more you should serve. I have this on my desk because every day I want it to remind me. I'm here to serve people. I'm here to serve people. That's it. I'm here to serve my wife. I'm here to serve my kids. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do the very best I can to serve people. It's not about me. The higher up you go, the more you serve is what Jesus says. Look at the verse with me. Romans 15 and 2 It says this. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. You hear that? Asking ourselves, would you... Read these next four words out loud with me and shout them out. You ready? Here we go. How can I help? Let's do it again. You ready? How can I help? Your world will get better the moment you start using that statement. Maybe this afternoon you go home. Maybe you ask that question. Maybe you ask your parents. Maybe you say, hey, maybe you're a teenager today and you go to your parents and say, Mom, Dad, how can I help you? Well, as soon as you do that, get ready to dial 911. They're going to go, what has happened to you? Maybe your spouse, maybe you're married. Maybe that's what your wife needs you to ask. Maybe that's what your husband needs you to ask. How can I help you? Maybe your parents have grown. You know, my mom uh, is here today, and as I was putting this message together, I thought about her. My grandmother will be 90 in July, July 7th. Every day. My mom goes and takes care of my grandmother with my aunt. You see, that's what it's about, isn't it? The easy thing to do is just go ahead and put her in a home. She's old, put her in a home. But no! She goes and serves. She goes and serves. How about you? Are you willing to serve? One thing I want to say before I, before I close is this. Is that Mary and, and John, the only reason that they heard Jesus is because they were at the foot of the cross. In other words, they, in order to be comforted by Jesus, you've got to be close to Jesus. Some of you sitting in here today, you're way, way, way away, way away. And you're wondering why you can't be comforted. And Jesus is inviting you to come to the foot of the cross. Healing begins for you at the foot of the cross. So today, we're about to go into communion. And I want to ask you today, where are you? Are you way away from Jesus? Are you close to Jesus? Where are you at? And communion is all about us remembering what He did for us, how He died for us. And it's really like God's speaking to us again from the cross. I want to invite you today to draw close. If you're not a Christ follower today, there's a prayer right inside of your program. As we bow in just a moment, you can read that prayer. And if you mean it in your heart, you can become a Christ follower. And the only thing we ask you to do, if you make that decision, is mark it on your connection card. For the rest of you here today that are already Christ followers, today we're going to take just a few moments as the band begins to play. And they begin to sing the first part of the song. I just want you to bow your heads right where you are. And I want you to just get it right because communion is all for believers. It's about people that believe. So today I want you to make sure that everything's right with you so we can take communion together. Would you do that right now as they begin to sing? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.